Well, first I want to say thanks again for uh, being here uh, or being online with us. Appreciate that very much. We are in the uh, a series called The Seasons, uh, Songs of the Season. Wow. Mark, take a deep breath. There's nothing better than being having your brain going three times as fast as your mouth. Unfortunately for some of us, it's often the other way around. Our, brain, our mouth goes faster than our brain and we go, oops, did I actually say that? No. Okay, so I'm, I think I've caught up. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Uh, if you are, uh, if you're, uh, Willing to follow along in notes, uh, you can go to the Uversion Bible app, or there is a link in the description of this live event. If you go to that link with your browser, you'll be able to find it just as well. So, just so you know that. Uh, so, the holiday season, we, uh, Christmas always is associated with songs and music. Um, joyous songs but this season as we all know is going to be different unlike anything we've ever known or ever experienced the songs are going to carry a slightly different feeling for us this year because of the pandemic we're going to have to to deal with things we haven't had to deal with before uh, and it also means unfortunately that there will be empty chairs in some of our gatherings um, and so we're kind of asking a question, where's the joy? Where, 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 what about all that peace on earth the angels declared uh, would come? I mean, we don't even have peace in our own election process, How, you know, let alone all the places that are actually fighting each other with guns and, and, and uh, bombs and stuff. Uh, where, where's the peace? Where's the joy? Uh, and exactly what is God doing? But what is God doing? I, is this the end of the world or just the end of the world as we know it? You know, is this the apocalypse or is it just, uh, hey, it's time to switch, shift gears, get used to a new normal? What, what is God up to in this whirlpool of chaos and confusion? It, why is he letting everything fly in a thousand directions at the same time? What, what, if anything, is God doing in our world right now? Now, we're not the first people to ask questions uh, about what God is doing. Uh, the ancient songwriters, the, the ones who wrote the Psalms, uh, most Bibles, if you kind of just pop it open in the middle, it'll be in the book of Psalms. It's just, if you ever want to find it, in, in a hardback, if it's uh, just open it, and it's usually pretty close to the middle. Uh, those ancient songwriters ask all kinds of questions. I'm just going to give you a, a, an example of a few. Uh, one of them said, I am weak. My bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long until you restore me? How long? Another, another psalmist said, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? 
How, how long must I struggle with sorrow in my heart? How long? Then Jesus asked questions. Uh, shortly before he was arrested, Jesus fell on his face praying, My Father, if there is any way, get me out of this. But please, not what I want. You. What do you want? And, and on the cross, he quoted at least the first line of Psalm 22. There, there's a tradition that says he quoted the whole psalm. Uh, from what I've read about what happens to a person and how hard it is to breathe when they're being crucified, I sincerely have my doubts about that tradition. But he at least said the first line. He cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me to die like this? That's what he's asking. Jesus asked that question. There were people across the tiny nation of Israel asking questions about 2,000 years ago. Lord, how long will you forget us? How, how, how long will you allow the Romans to walk all over us? Will the, the Roman Empire crush us forever? What are you doing, God? Are you doing anything? So... Let's put this in context. There's, there's a huge story going on um, in, the, uh, in the Bible from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation uh, 22. Uh, the, so I want to quickly cover the, the supreme story, the overarching story from beginning to end uh, and, and put uh, the place of where they were 2,000 years ago on that map, so to speak. Uh, there's creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth together in peaceful surrender and yielded uh, worship to God. Uh, the heavens and the earth. Uh, quickly thereafter came rebellion. So there's creation, then there was rebellion. And where our forefather and foremother, our ancestors decided, hey, I want it my way. And uh, heaven and earth were separated by God's grace because that kind of attitude just doesn't, doesn't exist in God's presence. So he separated himself. So now we have this view. We, we often think of heaven as way off out there somewhere. And this is earth, of course. We can find it pretty easily. Uh, we're standing on it. Um, why is it like that? Because we decided we were going to make things our way and do things our way instead of being in line with God. That's our king. So there was creation, there was rebellion, but God was not done with us. Um, invasion began, and it began very simply and very small. God's goal was to restore and heal everything that we've broken and he began with one man and his wife who ultimately had a son who then had two sons and 
the family began to grow. It started with Abram, or Abraham. He made promise to Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob, and then the 12 patriarchs, the heads of the, uh, the sons of Jacob, and then they became a tribe. And finally, he established a foothold when the people built the tabernacle and then re uh, shaped that into the actual building, the temple in Jerusalem. His foothold was the Holy of Holies. If you wanted to know where heaven on earth was, it was in the temple of Jerusalem in the inner sanctum, in the innermost room. And only one person, the high priest, could enter that room at any time, one time at, at one time a year. It's the only time. It was one time a year. It's the only time uh, he could be there. But God had a foothold in this world of rebellion. So there was creation, rebellion, God's counter-invasion. Then came the incarnation, Jesus. His birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, uh, his ascension carried God's kingdom outside the temple. Everywhere Jesus set his feet became heaven on earth. He, it wasn't just in the temple of Jerusalem. It could be on the Sea of Galilee. It could be beside the Sea of Galilee. It could be on one of the mountains. It could be in Nazareth or, or any of the towns. Wherever Jesus went, that's where heaven was while he was here. Well, we, we know that Jesus died, he was raised again, and he was, he's ascended to sit on the throne of heaven with God. So uh, what's now, we're in the period of expansion. I'm just going to tell you where we're at. We're in the period of expansion. There was creation, rebellion, invasion, incarnation, uh, and, and now we're in the period of expansion. Heaven grows every single time an individual person says yes to the Holy Spirit's invitation to follow Jesus one person at a time I encourage you if you if you if you like to go online and Google things Google the rate of conversions to Christianity in the world it might seem you might expect to be depressed but you won't be I'm just going to tell you you will be pleasantly surprised there are places in this world where thousands Turn to Jesus and say yes every day. By the way, why not here? That's my question. If, if I have a question during the Advent season, you, why not here? Why not do here what you're doing there, Lord? Why, why not now, not later? Why? No, go anyway. One day, we're looking forward to the completion and the coronation. Jesus will, it will surprise us one day, just as surely as, as he surprised Moses at the burning bush. I mean, Moses was going about his business being a shepherd. And the next thing he knows, he sees this bush that's not burning, but it is burning. And it's, you know, wow, that's weird. So he wants, goes over there. And suddenly, the next thing he knows, he's having a conversation with God. And the people of Israel 2,000 years ago were walking around wondering, what is God up to? Are we going to have to live with the Romans over us forever? And he surprised them by being born in Bethlehem. 
and started walking around among them. But one day, Jesus is going to surprise us just in the same way. He's going to return, and he's going to finalize this restoration process that he, he began, that God began, clear back uh, when we first rebelled, or he started. He's going to bring back the unity of heaven and earth. We read about it in the passage from Revelation as we talked about it, as we lit the candle of hope this morning. The city, the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem will descend to earth. It, th this will be heaven and earth again. Okay, so why, why the big story? Because, well, in case you didn't catch it, we are in, we look at the story of that incarnation, the invade, uh, that, that step of God's coming into our world. Uh, we're going to enter the second song of the season. Uh, the first song was Mary's song in response to uh, what God had asked of her and how he said he was going to bless her. And this song is the song sung by the priest Zechariah. A quick background, again, just to remind you, Zechariah and Elizabeth were an elderly couple longing and praying for children. They were old, and they still didn't have kids, but they were still praying for kids. They were righteous, they were blameless. In other words, it wasn't because they were doing something wrong that they weren't having children, they just weren't having kids. And while Zachariah is in the temple doing his priestly duties, the angel Gabriel appears to him and, uh, and, and he says, Zachariah, your prayers have been heard. Elizabeth is going to bear you a son and you're supposed to name him John. Now, it's an interesting thing. I, I, it's one of those, I, I, whenever I read some of these, uh, sometimes in the Bible, I, I ask questions, and this is one of them. What was Zechariah thinking? Because the first thing that comes out of his mouth, as he's standing face to face with an angel, who's Gabriel, uh, and, and Gabriel, every time somebody sees an angel, they're scared. They think they're gonna die. And, but not Zechariah. His first words, the first thing you hear about uh, that comes out of his mouth after Gabriel talks to him is, how can I tell you're telling the truth? <laughs> you know, how do I know you're not lying to me? <clears throat> well, Gabriel was a little upset. Don't tell me angels can't get ticked. Because I'm pretty sure Gabriel was. Gabriel looked at him and says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And God himself told me to bring this message to you. But since you don't believe me, shut up. Literally. You can't talk until the baby's born. And that was, that was it. That was, Zachariah did not speak again. And sure enough, Elizabeth became pregnant. Nine months later, the baby was born. Everybody in town, neighbors, family, everybody's rejoicing. This old couple who never had children has finally had a, not only a child, they've had a son. I mean, that's the best thing. The family line's gonna keep going. Uh, and they had the, on the eighth day, they had a party where they circumcised the little boy and named him. And everybody wants to name him Zachariah because, well, dad's named Zachariah. So let's name him Zechariah. And Elizabeth's going, no, no, his name is John. 
So everybody's going, there's nobody in your whole family on either side named John. Why would you name your son John? You must be nuts, lady. Uh, and so they turn to, to Zechariah and they try to communicate with him. He finally asks them to give him something to write on. And he, this is what he writes. His name is John. And instantly, Zechariah began to speak and praise God. People asking what God was what God was doing surrounded Zechariah. There were people all around trying to figure out what on earth is God doing. Uh, and wow, this is great. He's given Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, a son in their old age, he, and. Zechariah proclaims the answer powered by the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's what prophets do. We tend to think in terms of prophets telling us what's going to happen in the future. That may be part of it, but it's a small part of it. Prophets tell us what God is doing right now when we can't see it. And so here's the second psalm of the very first season, the very first Christmas season. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. He proclaimed, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. That's the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, by the way. The oath, by the oath, so he explained that, I'm sorry. Uh, the oath he swore, he, he did this to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abram Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That's who God is. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. What is God doing? As I mentioned, prophets not only predict what God will do or proclaim what God says he's going to do, but they also proclaim what he's doing right now. And the Holy Spirit inspired Zechariah to say, okay, everybody, if you're wanting to know what God is doing, this is what God is doing. He sent my son John to prepare the way for his arrival. Whoa. There's a song, I'm going to quote a little bit from it. Some of you may recognize it. There's a song that says, God is on the move, on the move, hallelujah. God is on the move in many mighty ways. Now, this is the answer 
to our questions about what God is up to. It's the same as it was for Zechariah. God is on the move. He always moves to save us from our brokenness. Sometimes it's obvious, like the angel shows up. It's kind of, unless you're Zechariah, it's, it's pretty hard to overlook an angel. Uh, it's a real eye-opener, so to speak. Uh, sometimes he's obvious. Uh, most times we just don't even notice. We don't see it. We don't get it. But anytime a heart, here quoting from the song again, anytime a heart turns from darkness to light, anytime temptation comes and someone stands to fight, anytime someone lives to serve and not to be served, anytime, anytime someone admits their weaknesses, falls to their knees to pray, or dares to speak the truth that sets us free, anytime the choice is made to trust Jesus, enough to obey him, I know God is on the move. Hallelujah. God is on the move in mighty ways. God is on the move today. So what is God doing? God is on the move even when I cannot gather the strength to grasp it. When I, even when I can't see and I don't understand and I think nothing's happening. It's happening. Here's our problem. Uh, we lean toward excessive confidence in our senses. We, we make decisions based on what we see and hear or feel. Uh, now, we need to do that in a physical world. It's not like you can just blindfold yourself and get through life and you certainly don't want to blindfold yourself and try to drive to Mackinac Island mm -hmm. because even if you manage to make it all those miles north on I-75 if you're still trying to drive to Mackinac Island there's a big lake in the way uh, you, you can't we need our eyes I can't I can't drive like this I don't need to be blindfolded. I just need to take my glasses off. And then they say, if you don't you dare get behind the wheel. It says so right on my license, must wear lenses. Which is probably a good idea since I know there are, there are people out here, but even the ones who don't have masks on, I, you know, your face is a complete blur. Imagine what the street's like. Now, we, we need our senses in this world. Uh, we don't want to drive blindfolded. We don't want to plug up our ears when family wants to talk to us. Well, okay, we shouldn't want to plug up our ears when family wants to talk to us. Uh, we, we can think that if we, but here's the problem. We think, we can think that if we don't see it, then it isn't there. If we can't see it happening, then it's not happening. If we don't hear what somebody says, then obviously they didn't say anything. Those of us who have liked our loud music all our lives are soon are finding out that that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't say anything. It just means that they weren't loud enough to drown out the buzz in our ears. Um, 
Our senses can let us down. When we put too much faith in them, they can let us down. We can assume that somebody doesn't care because we didn't see them do something caring. Well, they obviously don't give a rip. How do you know? Uh, they didn't, they've never seen them do anything. Really? Do you see everything? I mean, I know somebody does, and I'm pretty sure you're not him. I mean, you don't look like God to me. You look like a regular old person. We, we, can, we, we, can fall, we can fall into the trap of thinking that because we can't see it or sense it, that somehow God's not working. It's worse when we don't, it's bad enough when we don't trust each other because we don't see it or hear it or, or, or whatever. It's even worse when we wonder what God is doing. Because let's start with this basic premise. He's invisible to our physical eyes. He's not physical. He's spiritual. God is spiritual being, the ultimate spiritual being. He has no body. Um, and we can't see him. And unless he does something, we can't hear him. Uh, it's simply because we can't see or hear or feel his presence that doesn't mean he's not with us, and it doesn't mean he's not moving. It just means we can't tell him. <clears throat> now, there's so many, I could take this in two directions. I could talk to Jesus' followers right now, and <clears throat> I was tempted to do that, and, but I'm not going to. I'm going to, I want to address inquirers right now. People are just trying to ask questions and figure this who out, out who Jesus is and, and what this is all about. And, and I want to talk to you. Um, if you become, if you're a serious inquirer, if you're a person who's really trying to figure out who Jesus is and, and how you ought to respond to him, there will come a time, there's come a time for all of us uh, in, in that journey. There comes a time when we have to decide uh, that we're going to move from being closed to change to being open to change. And what I mean by that is there has to come a time when we recognize I'm not okay, but I want to become okay. I am broken, and I want to be restored. I am not perfect. But I want to get better. We have to come to that spot. Uh, in, in groups like AA, they call that the first step, right? <laughs> to acknowledge that I actually have a problem. As long as I don't have a problem, I can't be helped. But sooner or later, in all of our lives, we come to a place where we have the opportunity to make a decision to say, <laughs> I have a problem and I need help and I'm willing to solve the problem instead of ignore it it's a matter of recognizing our brokenness we are broken people in a broken world it was broken the moment our first parents decided we want to do it our way which meant some other way than the way God was doing things and in the process, they broke it. 
But it's okay because we keep breaking it and the world and each other all the time. It's because we're broken people living in a broken world and we break each other and we keep on breaking the world. The world is not, I, I all right, I just a little pet peeve. I get a little frustrated with people thinking, all oh, the world's getting better. Really? You know, do you do realize we figured out how to kill thousands of maybe even millions of people in a blink of an eye? Do you think that's getting better? As long as it stays in a missile silo, I suppose, but once it gets out, we're dead. It's not getting better. Uh, we're broken, and this world is broken, and we're making it worse all the time. I thought you went to church for good news. Well, I guess, well, I'm going to get to the good news. You see, God, we all need a reason. Really, we all really need a reason to, to believe God makes all things new even when we don't see Him at work. We need hope. We need a reason to believe that I have a problem, I am broken, but God is in the business of fixing broken people and solving my problems. God makes all things new. Even when you don't see him at work. God constantly works to save you from your brokenness, to heal you, to restore you. The Holy Spirit's invitation to recognize your need to change leaves you with a responsibility. What will you say? How will you respond to his invitation? Will you say yes or no? I want to invite you, if, if you want to say yes to God's invitation to receive his restoration, I want you to feel free, feel free to pray something like this. Jesus, I'm ready to change. I'm ready for you to start healing my brokenness. Now, I'm sure I'm broken in a lot of places, but here's one place that I know for sure that I'm broken. I ask you to take over for me. really sick and tired of all my do-it-yourself failures. Jesus, refresh me. Renovate me. Restore me. Rehabilitate me. I want to experience a taste of heaven on earth in my life. And I want the privilege of helping other people to have that same thing, that same taste of heaven on earth. Thank you for making it possible. Thank you for inviting me 
to be a part of it. Thank you for letting me say yes. want to address those who are connected with us online. Uh, if you have not already, I would encourage you to uh, join the Facebook group on our page, the uh, Champions of Hope. The link is in the description. Uh, you're going to receive some unique content, opportunities to connect with, uh, with other people here in our congregation, and uh, encourage you to do that. Well, as you go, those of you who are here on site, as you go, well, wait a minute. You don't have to be here on site. As you go, where from wherever you are right now, go to live as sent ones, as God's sent ones. May the beauty of Jesus shine in your eyes. May the love of Jesus shine in your actions. May the wisdom of Jesus shine in your words. May the grace of Jesus flow from your heart into the lives of the people around you. Folks, you are sent. Go with Jesus.